the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Instantly. Message and data. The following program is sponsored by Ruth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy encourages us to proclaim and defend the good news. Just finished a book by Erwin Lutzer who says, Just as Martin Luther in the Middle Ages had to rescue the gospel, protect it, and guard it, that task is unfinished. And I challenge you, step up and guard the gospel. Rescue it from a distortion of it, a corruption of it, addition to it, subtraction from it. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm Wayne Shepherd. President Ronald Reagan cautioned America that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. So it must be fought for, protected, and handed down to our children with great care and attention. Well, that truth also applies to the gospel. Today, Philip challenges us to be bold in our primary duty as Christians as we preserve the gospel for the next generation. Stay tuned for the conclusion of a three-part message called Keeping the Faith. Here's Philip DeCourcy. Keeping the faith, 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 18. The point of this section of the letter is to urge Timothy to fully commit himself to the gospel, to keep the faith, to be unashamed of his commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, his message, and his messengers. Now, you remember from an earlier study that Timothy had a tendency to timidity. That's why Paul will write and encourage him in verse 7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, while there's no evidence in the letter that Timothy has given in to fear, it's a potential, it's a temptation, it's a trap. And so Paul writes to encourage him not to become unnerved, not unnerved by Paul's own situation in that gospel preaching can lead you to imprisonment, not unnerved by the scandal of the gospel being made fun of in the culture, not unnerved by the cold winds that are blowing across the culture and the presence of heretics within the church at Asia. Timothy is being urged here to remain resolved in his commitment to the gospel, to be unashamed. And so we have come to look at this passage, and there's three things that come out of the text. Gospel commitment involves suffering. Verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel. Timothy, if you're unashamed, it will show itself in suffering. We must indeed make a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. We must not be embarrassed by him, his testimony, or those who preach that message. And suffering will come. Suffering, not shame, ought to be the mark of the Christian 
It's a noble task. In fact, when we get to 1 Timothy 3 verse 1, Paul will describe the ministry as something noble, something excellent, something great. Because this is non-negotiable, it's noble, and it's necessary. In 1 Corinthians 9, 16 to 17, he said that, you know, necessity was laid on me. And woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Paul had a high view of the ministry that helped him overcome his challenges and stay above the fray. And the point is this, a man with a calling from God is a force to be reckoned with. He's an unstoppable figure. You want evidence? Go back to the Old Testament. Just one, Jeremiah, whom God called, God sent, and God said, don't be afraid when you stand before the nations because I'll be with you. Or you go to the New Testament, I'll give you one example. John the Baptist, who was fearless. In fact, he lost his head for the cause of Jesus Christ. And in chapter 1 of John's gospel, what do we read of him? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. See, when a man has a sense of calling, he's an unstoppable force. Finally, under this thought of suffering, there's a certain calling and then there's a certain confidence that just reinforces the resolve to suffer. There's a confidence here, verse 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. We're back to this thought of not being ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him unto that day. Here's another reason he's unashamed. Why he hasn't bowed and why he hasn't banded. Because he, in an uncertain world, and in uncertain times, Paul had confidence about a few certain things. Every preacher needs to remember that you cannot persuade others of that which you are not persuaded yourself. So despite the hostility of the environment in which he ministered, Paul didn't buy, Paul didn't bend because he had a confidence in God's sovereignty, God's son and God's sufficiency. I've got a creed. I'm certain about the person of Christ. I know whom I have believed. I'm certain about the power of Christ. He's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And I'm certain about the prospect of Christ in that future day. He had a creed that produced a confidence. God doesn't want us to go through life bent over like a question mark. He wants us to go through life bold and upright like an exclamation mark. We have a creed. It's Jesus Christ, his gospel. That he died for our sins. That he rose again. That he has disarmed death. He has brought life to reign in life once more. There is the promise of immortality. All of that is true. And all of that should embolden us. Commitment to the gospel is a matter of suffering. Verses 8 through 12. Now in verses 13 through 14, we have Commitment to the gospel as a matter of safeguarding. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. In faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Digging a little bit deeper, a gospel commitment requires safeguarding. See, Paul urges loyalty to the gospel here. He has just outlined it. He has just defined it. And he has reinforced to Timothy his love of it. And he's honored by the fact that God has appointed him a preacher and an apostle with regards to it. And so he says, hey, now, Timothy, the time of my departure is at hand. So I'm going to ask loyalty of you. I've kept the faith. Will you? 
I fought the good fight. Will you? And he calls his young master, Timothy, not only to be a herald like Paul preaching the gospel, but a steward like Paul protecting the gospel. You see, in verse 14, we read that Timothy has been entrusted with the treasure of the good news. And he's got to keep that. He's got to protect that. He's got to stand guard over that. And guys, if we're going to keep the faith, we've got to keep the faith once delivered to the saints. But look at chapter 2 and verse 2. And the things which you heard from me, see, Paul in guarding the gospel, has worked hard in the life of a young man to help him understand the outline of gospel truth. He has tried to call him to a life of holiness. He has warned him about false teachers. He has him resting on the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Paul is disciple Timothy because the gospel is guarded by raising up a generation of gospel men just like you. Because we need another batch of deacons and elders. We need to be training up young men who know the gospel, love the gospel, will die for the gospel, because that's how we guard it. By look what? Teaching faithful men to teach others to be faithful. Guys, guarding the gospel, it's so important. I hope you know that next year is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Just finished a book by Erwin Lutzer, who's now the retired pastor from Moody Church in Chicago. It's a book I'd commend to you. It's called Rescuing the Gospel. And he tells the story of the Protestant Reformation. It's a great read. Buy it. Rescuing the Gospel by Erwin Lutzer. And he just traces how Martin Luther rediscovers the gospel, and God uses him as an instrument of reformation. He tries to reform the church from within, but he's booted out by popes and prelates, and he tries to reform the church from without. It's an amazing story, story of courage, a story of providence, a story of being a stickler for doctrine and guarding the gospel that has once more been rediscovered. Now, what was interesting, when you get to the back of the book, the last page in the book, here's what Erwin Lutzer says. Martin Luther had rescued the gospel from the distortion of Catholicism. In some sense, our task is more difficult than his We must rescue the gospel from Catholicism along with a host of other movements such as fraudulent so-called evangelicals whose entire television programs are dedicated to health and wealth theology with special breakthroughs promised to those who send them money. We have to rescue it from theological liberals who deny the supernatural character of the Christian faith. We have to rescue it from false religions that compete for the allegiance of men and women. We must rescue it from the cults who come to our doorsteps. We must rescue it from all who think that it's up to them to contribute to their salvation, and they must make themselves worthy to receive it. What he's saying at the end of the book, just as Martin Luther in the Middle Ages had to rescue the gospel, protect it, and guard it, that task is unfinished. And I challenge you, step up and guard the gospel. Rescue it from a distortion of it, a corruption of it, addition to it, subtraction from it. Be a stickler for doctrine. Don't be a hypocrite. Live it. Depend upon the Holy Spirit and raise up a generation of gospel guards, custodians of the eternal message of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, as I was thinking about that whole idea of guarding the gospel, 
I was reminded of a story of an old pastor back in Northern Ireland where I come from. There was, in a part of Belfast, there were two well-known churches, the Iron Hall and the Templemore Hall. And there was an old man called Pastor Tucker. I believe that he pastored both of them. But in his latter years, he pastored Templemore Hall, which was pastored by a number of friends of mine. And one of them, Victor Maxwell, told me one day that in his latter years, even after he had retired and other men had come in to preach, he would sit on the platform behind the pulpit on a nice big chair, a throne. And although he was old and didn't preach as much, he sat there as the young men or others preached. And he had a walking stick by this stage in his life. And if he didn't like what he heard, I'm told that he would actually whack the guys on their ankles with the walking stick. He literally did that. And here's what he would say, that's enough of that. No more of that. I like that. Just a practical, kind of funny expression of what we're talking about here. Hey, we need a few more guys like that. I'm not recommending you beat people over the head with walking sticks. But you know what? Stand up at a Bible study or somewhere or wherever you are, or you're watching television and, you know, speak to it. That's enough of that. I can't watch TBN without saying that. Enough of that. And just, I'd rather be watching ESPN than that nonsense. Most of it. All right. Verses 15 through 18. Now, if you look at these verses, you might argue this is a separate unit of thought. And you know what? Paul kind of goes sideways here. Because in verses 15 through 18, he, having talked about Timothy's loyalty to the gospel, he now turns sideways and talks about the disloyalty of some in Asia. And you might say, that's a little bit of a surprise. And in some of the commentaries that I read, they actually deal with it as a separate section. But I'll make an argument. This all goes together with the preceding verses. I think there's a unit of thought here from 8 to 18. We're still on the idea of don't be ashamed. Keep the faith. Guard the gospel. Stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed. We see it in verse 12, I'm not ashamed. And in this section, we're going to read about a man, Onesiphorus, who refreshed Paul many times, and look at that word, was not ashamed. It's the same thought. Paul's carrying on. Paul is saying, I want you to be unashamed, Timothy. And that's a matter of suffering. And that's a matter of safeguarding. And that's a matter of supporting. You see, Paul tells us, sadly, at the end of his life, there were many believers who had deserted him. In fact, he says all of Asia. Might be a little bit of a hyperbole there, but there seems to have been a great departure and an apostasy. We go from the great awakening of Acts 19 to the great apostasy in Asia. And Paul marks it. And then he singles out by name two men, Phygelus and Hermogenes, likely leaders in training who abandoned him. When did this happen? It could be as soon as they heard about Paul's second imprisonment. Paul was radioactive. He was toxic. They were safeguarding themselves, not the gospel. And so they were kind of stepping back, didn't want to, you know, get into the crosshairs of the Roman authorities. And so they kind of distanced themselves from Paul and his gospel. Maybe come up with a gospel more palatable to the culture. Sad. But in contrast to these dirty dog deserters, Paul says, can I tell you about a guy? Onesiphorus. Been a good friend. They all abandoned me, but he refreshed me again and again. And you've got this wonderful contrast between loyalty and disloyalty. And that's why I think this is all tied together. Let me just give you a little profile of this man. He respected Paul. 
Look at the fact that he is not ashamed of Paul's chains. Paul was a hero to him. Paul wasn't toxic, radioactive. Now, this is the kind of man I want to hang out with. One of those gospel stalwarts. One of those men who's got fight in his belly to preach the gospel and protect it. I'm a friend of him because he's a friend of Christ. I respect him. I'm not ashamed of his chains. Secondly, we not only see him respect Paul, we see him reach Paul. It says he seeks him out. The Greek there is fairly strong. He seeks him out with intention. When you get the first imprisonment, Acts 28, Paul's in a nice house. He's easily accessible. It seems in the second imprisonment, he was harder to find. But Onesiphorus doesn't give up. And can you imagine even the danger he exposes himself to going from one Roman office to the next? Hey, have you any record of a man called Paul, preacher of the gospel? But he seeks him out and he finds him. And then we not only read that he respected Paul and reached Paul, he refreshed Paul. Beautiful Greek word. It means to cool down. He was to Paul like a refreshing breeze on a summer's day. That's the kind of ministry he had in Paul's life. He refreshed me. Listen as we finish. Paul was a faithful preacher of the gospel. He thrived and he survived within a circle of reinforcing friendships and fellowships. Go to the final chapter of Romans and you'll find 33 names outlined by Paul. People he fed off and people who fed off him. He always lived within a circle of reinforcing relationships. And that's where I finish. Christian leaders need cheerleaders. Christian leaders need cheerleaders. And that's what he's saying to Timothy. Hey, be a supporter of the gospel. And by implication, I think Paul is also saying, Timothy, I hope you have your onesiphorus, people who come alongside you, because I've called you to a tough task. God has appointed you to be an apostle and a herald and a teacher. You're going to have to suffer. You may wear chains someday. But you know what? If you have an onesiphorus in your life, it will help you survive the tough times. Leaders need more than the fellowship of the Spirit. They need the friendship of the saints. Genesis says it's not good that man should be alone. And don't forget where and when that was stated. When Adam was alone in the presence of God in the cool of the day in the garden. Implication, it's not good for man to be alone even when with God. He needs human companionship. God has made us to live in community because made in the image of God, God exists in community, in triunity, Father, Spirit, and Son. Made in His image, we need each other. And leaders need men to come alongside them to encourage them. I don't have time to go through an outline I had. We need people who will pray. We need people who will provide. We need people who will praise. We need people who will please. We need people who will protect. Pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.25, pray for us, says Paul. Provide, Paul says, if a man shares the word of God with you, you share your material things with him. Galatians 6.6. 6. Praise, 1 Thessalonians 5.12-13. Esteem them highly. Praise them. Encourage them for their work's sake. Please, Hebrews 13.17. Let them do their work with joy. Don't get in the way. Don't get in front of them. Get behind them and urge them on and protect. 1 Timothy 5, 17 to 19, don't receive an accusation against a leader without two or three witnesses. 
stored in a safe place at the Library of Congress is a small blue box. The label reads, Contents of the President's Pockets on the night of April 14th, 1865. Now, if you know your history, you know what we're talking about. That's the night Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. The box contains five things. A handkerchief embroidered with the words A. Lincoln. A country boy's pen knife. A spectacle case repaired by string. Fourthly, a purse containing a $5 bill and Confederate money. Five, some old and worn newspaper clippings. Now, when you unfold the clippings, you'll find one in particular by John Bright, a British politician and statesman who rose up in Britain and said that Abraham Lincoln was one of the greatest men of all time. Now, we know that to be the case. But in that day, they didn't. The jury was still out. The country was still divided. Abraham Lincoln had enemies in the north and in the south. The biographies that tell us his story hadn't been written. It seems to me, guys, that you can almost imagine him by a candlelight in the throes and the trauma of those years in his leadership, just unraveling that little piece of newspaper with the words from John Bright, Abraham Lincoln, the greatest man of our time because the greatest leaders still need encouraged, reinforced, supported. And that's what you had with Onesiphorus and Paul. Well, let's keep the faith. Let's be willing to suffer. Let's be serious about safeguarding the gospel, and let's support each other to that end, and especially our leaders. Amen? Lord, we live in a shameless society where men are lovers of pleasure rather than God. These are difficult and disconcerting times. We say of our own culture what Jeremiah said of his day, that men sin and they don't blush. Shameless, brazen, of old in their sin and their commitment to darkness, in their opposition to Jesus Christ. Well, if that's the case, a shameless society must have an unashamed church made up of men just as brazen, just as bold in their commitment to righteousness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be faithful. We want to be unashamed. Give us the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the strength of the Holy Spirit to both suffer and safeguard and support the gospel. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. May we be bold and unashamed of the gospel. You're listening to Know the Truth with pastor and Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy. Today's message is from our series in 2 Timothy titled, Without Apology. These messages were originally preached at a men's breakfast, but the truths are applicable to us all. You can download today's broadcast for free or purchase the entire series in one handy CD album when you visit us online at ktt.org. And if you've never reached out to us before, we'd love to send you a free KTT bookmark that explains how to be a mentor and how to find a mentor. Mentoring is a key theme in 2 Timothy, as the Apostle Paul demonstrates how to pass down the faith. Get the free KTT mentoring bookmark and apply these biblical tips to your life. As Pastor Philip reminds us, there can be no sustained success or lasting impact without intentional succession. Request the mentoring bookmark when you visit us at ktt.org or call us at 888-644-8811. 
and perhaps no mentoring relationship is more important than between a father and his children. That's why when you donate any amount today to the ongoing ministry of Know the Truth, Philip would like to send you a copy of Steve Farrar's popular book titled Anchor Man. This bestseller explains how a father can anchor his family in Christ for the next 100 years. You won't want to miss getting a copy for yourself or to give to a father or father-to-be in your life. To give and request the book, Anchorman, visit us online at ktt.org. You can also call 888-644-8811 or write Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. As always, we're so grateful for your support that brings Know the Truth to you, your city, and to people across America. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow for more Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. An exciting new book from Regnery looks at the power of love and intimacy from a godly perspective. It's called Love and Sex, A Christian Guide to Healthy Intimacy. Sex is powerful. Just saying the word can stir up all kinds of emotions inside people. Maybe it's a positive emotion for you or a hurtful, shameful, confusing one. It's no wonder we humans struggle to understand its meaning and purpose. Hi, I'm Nancy Houston, a sex therapist, leadership coach, and licensed professional counselor. After counseling hundreds of clients about the topic of intimacy, I decided to write Love and Sex, a Christian guide to healthy intimacy. Love and Sex is filled with life-changing, compelling stories to help us all reconnect to love and is biblically based on the truths of God's Word. Get your copy now of best-selling author Nancy Houston's compelling new book, Love and Sex, a Christian guide to healthy intimacy. Available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. The skills you can. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.